life and vanity You traded all your hopes and dreams for insanity I'm Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin. I'm joined by Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, one of the deacons of the Diocese of Austin. Deacon Ronnie is our pastoral care coordinator for the restorative justice ministry, meaning he serves the incarcerated souls in our prisons in Gatesville, Texas, as well as the corrections officers. I served with him for a number of years and now serve as a chaplain of Cedar Break Retreat Center. We are in a series of programs addressing the apostolate in the Catholic Church known as courage and encourage. Courage is a apostolate to help those with same-sex attraction live a chaste and holy life. Encourage, E-N, with the word courage attached, is for their family members to support them in that chaste life. We're going through the information that's on the Encourage Courage website because our friends in the incarcerated life don't have access to that. Those of you at home who do, follow along, go research it uh, along with us as you hear what we have to say. Very good information, very beautifully put. But we're in the section now that's frequently asked questions, and we started out with a frequently asked question for courage at the end of our last episode. We pick up now with a frequently asked question about encourage. Encourage, as we um, know, is was founded in 1992, 12 years after the beginning of Courage, to support spiritual support for parents, spouses, and other loved ones of people who are involved in homosexual relationships. In many cases, encouraged members feel torn between accepting their loved ones who experience same-sex attractions and remaining true to the teachings of the Catholic Church on the morality of homosexual actions. So guided by compassionate chaplains and support one another, encouraged members pursue the five goals of encourage. And so I'd like to, at this time, just go over those with you. Number one is to grow spiritually through spiritual reading, prayer, meditation, individual spiritual direction, frequent attendance at Mass, and the frequent reception of sacraments of penance and Holy Eucharist. And these may seem repetitive, and they are by design. It's important that we embrace this way of life, this, this purposeful living this life this way, uh, in order for us to grow in holiness. God's going to do his part. We have to do our part. That, that's an act of your will. That's an act of my will. So, I, again, I want to mention number one because it's so important in this journey into the spiritual life. It's to grow spiritually through spiritual reading, prayer, meditation, individual spiritual direction, frequent attendance at Mass, and the frequent reception of the sacrament of penance and Holy Eucharist. Now, put that up aside, what the community that a same-sex attraction person is going to be invited into is going to throw at them for regular lifestyle living for that will make you good and happy. And it's none of those things. It's none of those things. And as we were speaking um, before, as what happens is you become um, objectified. You become used by someone else, and then once you're used, you're just thrown away, and uh, that's that's the damage. That's the damage. That's the danger uh, of, of of coming up short. It'll always be empty, and so we this this being in union with Christ, uh, being in frequent um, prayer, 
uh, and also having the good counsel and direction of a spiritual director, uh, and most importantly, the sacraments is going to give you um, the, 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 the way of life, the, the rule of life that we all need to live and, and to live any life, but especially in, in this community. And it will help you to bear that cross that's going to come when the sensuality that God makes us with is invited into disorder. Right. is invited into that, I'm going to use you as an object of my sensual pleasure, and that's a perfectly acceptable lifestyle. That is not a perfectly acceptable lifestyle, but it gets promoted as one. It gets normed as one. And we're saying, you don't have to do that. This is an alternative that's not just an alternative, it's the real norm. And as we know about the cross, if it's a true cross in your life, you didn't pick it. So with that being said, uh, the question then becomes, what do you do with your cross? What do we do with our crosses? We can embrace it or we, we can pitch it. And going back to St. Mola, when she gives us the quote in our first episode, that love and sacrifice are closely linked like the sun and the light. We cannot love without suffering, and we cannot suffer without love. And so that's a very beautiful image of that sense of, of being able to to allow the Lord to guide us, allow the Lord's grace to sustain us, to direct us, and whatever it is that we're, that we're, uh, we're dealing or struggling with. Second part of the encourage um, community is to uh, gain a deeper understanding of the needs, difficulties, and challenges experienced by men and women with same-sex attraction. Third goal is to establish and maintain a healthy and wholesome relationship with their loved ones with same-sex attraction. And number four, to assist other family members and friends to reach out with compassion and truth and not to reject, I'm going to speak that again, not to reject their loved ones with same-sex attraction. And number five, to witness to their loved ones by their own lives that fulfillment is to be found in Jesus Christ through his body, the church. So that's a very important component, and it redirects us right back up to number one. In order to grow in spirituality and the life of the, of the spiritual life, we have to be people of prayer. We have to be people who pray, receive the sacraments, and walk daily with the Lord. And as we hear so often, one of the greatest assets to the Christian community is the life of the Christian faithful, and one of the greatest deficits to the life of the Christian community is the life of the Christian faithful, depending on whether we're living those sacraments or we're not living those sacraments, but we say we are. We really have to walk the walk. And and um, if we're going to do that, we can be credible witnesses if we reject, if we condemn, if we invite people to loathe other people or be hostile to them, that's not getting the job done. The job gets done by us carrying the cross that comes sometimes with even though I feel extremely uncomfortable dealing with this this topic and with people that present themselves as same-sex attraction, I've got to do it because it's the way of Christ. It's not only, yes, it is the way of Christ, but it's also uh, to, to the way of a happy life. And, and we all long to be uh, happy. We all long to be uh, loved. And so oftentimes I hear the comments, well, I'll be happy when I have this. And you can fill in the blank. And then we see that time and time again come up short. In fact, it, it, it'll always come up short. That it's the only thing that's going to give us happiness and true joy in our life is loving and serving the Lord. 
And then we're able to, to move into a deeper life, a true life of, of communion with him and each other. And community is very important. It, it's not, uh, it's not consigning yourself all to someplace else. No, no, it's, it's more alive. You're more in community in this way of life than you are in the other. The other is going to, as we mentioned earlier, you're, you're objectified. You're, you're meant to be used and then discarded. But this life gives you the life to its fullness. So if we're going to walk the walk and say, you've presented yourself as being same-sex attracted in my family or in my church community, what does it mean to accept persons who experience same-sex attractions? This is right there on the website. The number of men and women who have deep-seated homosexual tendencies is not negligible. This inclination, which is objectively disordered, and that is still the language that our church uses, is objectively disordered, constitutes for most of these folks a trial. They must be accepted with respect, with compassion, and with sensitivity. Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. These persons are called to fulfill God's will in their lives, and if they are Christians, to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross the difficulties they may encounter from their condition. That's right from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 2358. Acceptance is also going to be a cross for us sometimes, because when folks come in with this same-sex attraction, when we're not accustomed to dealing with it, when we're not accustomed to being able to be accepting, it's going to ask us to steps outside of our comfort zone. Might want to start praying for that now. Asking God, even though I have no one in my wheelhouse uh, that's of this nature, God may bring someone in someday to your parish, into your family. Let's pray now. This is one of the reasons we're presenting all the, the material of Courage and Encourage, so that you can already begin to put yourself in that good place in your heart, like the sacred heart of Jesus, to be prepared and not to have the evil one be able to take you off your game for being a good disciple of Jesus Christ in the Catholic Church. So to accept a person means that we love and welcome that person with all their strengths and weaknesses, just like we want people to do with us. When we come to know another person's weaknesses, we should be sensitive to their vulnerabilities and show compassion. If others mock or misjudge someone for their weakness, we must be the first to come to that person's defense. Acceptance of another human being does not necessarily mean that we will agree with all his or her decisions and choices. Sometimes love requires us to make our disagreement known. For example, a practicing Catholic cannot in good conscience attend a same-sex wedding, as this would imply approval of a union that faith tells us is contrary to God's plan for human beings. You love this person. You've lived lots of life with them. If they're your son or daughter, it's even deeper than that. If it's a friend, it could be any number from your football team, your soccer team, whatever it might be. And yet, we cannot be supportive of things that go against the design and plan of God. We may have opportunities to reach out and show love and concern for others. The more time we spend in prayer and striving to grow in our relationship with Christ— the more the Holy Spirit will fill our hearts with love, understanding, and patience. Our own example of love and acceptance may draw those around us to the joy of salvation we have found in Christ Jesus and in the teachings of his church. 
Now, in giving that quote from the website for Courage Encourage, they're drawing from our last series of episodes on the Respecting Human Dignity Ministry to Persons with a Homosexual Inclination Guidelines for Pastoral Care from 2006, produced by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, also a worthy read as well. Deacon Ronnie has the next frequently asked question. This is specific to uh, encourage. Go ahead, Deacon Ronnie. Why are same-sex attractions considered objectively disordered? Isn't that a harsh term? Well, the goodness of sexual intimacy comes from its being ordered to the permanent, faithful, procreative union of the marital act. That is, sexual union between a husband and wife. And this is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. If you'd like to um, look this up, it's in uh, paragraph 230, excuse me, 2360, 2360 to 2379, 2379. The term objectively disordered is a philosophical term, and it's used to describe homosexual attractions because such attractions can never lead to a morally good sexual act. The attraction of a man for a woman or a woman for a man is objectively ordered towards this marital union, although a particular, in particular cases it may be disordered by lustful, promiscuous, and adulterous desires. So, and I'd like to say that for those who are um, heterosexual, that we too are called to live a chaste life. This is not uh, a life that, uh, even for married couples, there are moments where our life, our marital life requires us to be chaste in, in that union. And so, again, the broader uh, emphasis here is um, on the importance of being uh, objectively ordered um, towards the marital union. And um, those disordered uses of the sexual act, either lustful, promiscuous, or adulterous desires, are um, uh, equally um, inappropriate. As they are for those of us who live the clerical celibate life. Correct. We are called to be chaste as well. Everybody knows that. And yet, as we know, horrifically today, case after case, place after place, the terrible transgressions of, of my brother priests, uh, of those who have been entrusted with ordained ministry in the life of the church, has played itself out. And it is harming our voice as a moral proclaimer of what healthy human sexuality is about. Though that harm is there, we can't cease to make the proclamation. We have to continue to do so. And those in my state, as a priest of Jesus Christ, must be equally diligent not to fall into the, these uh, this disordered lust or promiscuous or adulterous desires, because we have to walk the walk as well. We must stay within our boundaries of chaste life as celibates for the sake of the kingdom of God. And in so doing, we get to know the fullness of love through the fullness of the cross, the fullness of self-giving through the fullness of the cross, and the fullness of hope in eternal life through the fullness of the cross. And it's a daily renewal of your vows to that priest. No question life. about it. That that doesn't that's not one something that you did in one particular space and time, but it's a daily and continual renewal of my yes means yes and my no means no. The attraction of a woman for a man and a woman uh, for a man is objectively ordered towards the marital union. I've just mentioned this to you. 
homosexual attractions, however, are never directed toward the sexual union of spouse who are complementary in nature. And let me speak that again. Homosexual attractions, however, are never directed toward the sexual union of spouses who are complementary in nature and whose union can lead to procreation of the new human beings. In all cases, they go against the proper order of willing and accepting that is inherent willing in our, and acting. Excuse me, willing and acting that is inherent in our human nature, created and redeemed by God. And this also comes from the congregation of the faith. It's on the pastoral care of homosexual persons. Um, the site that we've been using here uh, continues from uh, the United States Conference of Casual, uh, Catholic Bishops, the place of sexuality in God's plan. And the homosexual acts cannot fulfill the natural ends of human sexuality. And these are all guidelines for pastoral care that came out for us in 2006. And we put those sites in there. Just You can look them up on your own. You can know that we're not just kind of making this up as we go. Or we're getting this from the website for Courage and Encourage, who also is diligent to uh, cite that these are coming from the teaching authority of our church. Um, on the Courage side, a frequently asked question. I see that courage meetings sometimes use a 12-step format. Why? Father Harvey, who we mentioned in previous episodes, is the founding priest for the Courage and Encourage apostolate. Father Harvey and the first members of Courage drew much inspiration from the famous 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and found this approach very helpful in their pursuit of the five goals of courage— Many courage groups, though not all of them, use the 12 step to steps to focus their efforts as individuals and as a group to grow in self-understanding and holiness. So the 12 steps in this context are focus, growth in self-understanding and holiness. There are many connections between 12 steps and a Catholic spiritual approach to growth in virtue. The first three of those 12, for example, find the answer to human frailty Quote, we admitted that we were powerless in a complete surrender to the loving power and providence of God. We came to believe and we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. These steps echo the sentiment expressed by St. Paul himself in his second letter to the Corinthians. Quote, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, as St. Paul says, I am content with weakness, for when I am weak, then I am strong. In those first three steps, that gets admitted, that I'm weak and I need the power of God to make me strong, to make sound moral decisions inconsistent with the teachings of Jesus Christ and the Church. I would just like to um, emphasize the importance of what Father just said, because you can't do this on your own. It's only by the strength of God and the surrendering of our will to his will are we able to rise above all that's going to come against you uh, and allow you to, 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 to move in, in, in step with his graces and his support. And that's the beauty of sanctifying grace, that it comes to us through this life of holiness that brings us to a, a new life, a, a way of life, a new eyes and new ears to see and hear what all he has planned for us. But it's by God's grace that they were able to do this. And it's not a, yes, my will is aligned with his will in this moment. And that's one of the reasons that the 12 steps from Alcoholics Anonymous gets incorporated in many of the courage groups, not all. 
because it does lead to what Deacon Ronnie just says. So in the case of the first three steps, it's I recognize that I, I am, have weakness that requires the assistance of God. So that's that's getting ego out of the way. That's getting pride out of the way. The next four steps speak of the importance of recognizing and admitting one's own sinfulness, the powerfully intimate nature of sins involving sexuality, fornication, pornography, masturbation, lust, often leads a person who is attached to these sins to experience great shame, which leads to an isolation that makes it very difficult to give them up. And that isolation gets fostered by the communities that want to welcome you into that lifestyle, and it gets made even worse when we in the Christian community help them by condemning and pushing away people with these same-sex attractions. That's why our getting over our own discomfort is so important because we want to assist people in these 12 steps to admit their weakness, to admit that this is a sin, to follow the conscience that's in them that's wanting to have a voice, but that voice is getting stuffed down by that secular community that wants them to run with lust and masturbation and fornication and all of the above, pornography, and says that those are perfectly acceptable when we know that they're not. And it's for us as the community of faith to say, no, friend, don't go there. Yes, this is uncomfortable that you're, you're partly in this lifestyle, but I'm here to help you to move away from it. So a tremendous freedom comes from taking responsibility for one's own sin. We as a community can help people do that. Move folks towards the sacramental confession as well as in honest conversations with close friends. If you are the close friend and all you can do is condemn them and push them away, we've lost an opportunity. We have to pray our own way into saying, Lord, help me to thicken my skin. Help me to soften my heart so that I can welcome a friend of mine who comes with this very troubling an intimate admission, I'm having same-sex attraction, and say to them, I can walk with you because you're my friend, and in my discomfort, I'll offer that up to the glory of God. I'd just like to add at this point, Father, that one of the things that we learned in, um, in our uh, deliverance ministry work is that uh, one of the doorways to the evil one is, the, uh, is promissory sin. And so there's a difference between habitual sin and permissory sin. Uh, permissory sin is, an, I know it's a sin, but I'm going to continue to do the sin. What's the word you're using? Permissory. Promissory? Promissory. Okay. Promissory. Habitual sin is a sin that I'm struggling with. I don't like my sin. I don't like this sin. And I'm trying to put some distance between it. That's, that's different. So there's, there's a, a the, the, the evil one wants us to buy into the fact that this isn't a sin anymore. He wants you to believe that it's okay, and that gives yourself permission to, to move in that direction. Habitual sin uh, has uh, mitigating conditions because it's a sin that you're trying to work through. Uh, there could be um, a number of factors, uh, anxiety, undue uh, ex- uh, pressures that you're experiencing with that, that can mitigate that condition. But I just want to bring that difference up because the evil one uses those doorways, those permissory sin positions to move in and set up shop. And they're going to do that in a friendly way 
of saying, I accept you as you are. That other group is rejecting you. You have this same-sex attraction. Come over here because I'll be accepting of it because it is a good. And yet it isn't. It isn't a good. It isn't going to be helpful to you. It is going to be something that takes you further away from God and from the truth of who you are as God's daughter or son. And that is, again, the importance of the sacrament of reconciliation, to be able to go and sit uh, with the confessor and, and to bring this up. Uh, you're taking personal responsibility. And over time, uh, you're going to see that, again, little by little, that this diminishes in your life. And, and of, of all the uh, seven deadly sins, this is the one that's easiest to overcome. Eventually, you'll get out of this. And, and it's in, in Dante's image of... Um, purgatory, you're right at the top of the mountains. You'll be able to move through it, but you've got to be faithful to your commitment of, 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 of moving away from this and moving into a different life, a changed life, a restored life. And that is probably, at, at most certainly, where the 12 steps adapted from AA into courage and encourage brings that assistance with perseverance. So as it continues, it says, a tremendous freedom comes from taking responsibility for one's own sin, sacramentally in confession, as well as in honest conversations with close friends and repenting of those sins. Follow your conscience on that one. The world is going to tell you you don't need to repent. It's going to tell you that you don't have to uh, uh, allow yourself any kind of distancing from the inclination to sin. Your conscience is going to agitate against that. Follow it. It was formed by God. It was given love by Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Listen to that. Let repentance happen. Because this inner freedom is the starting point for a renewed integrity and an ability to face daily trials and temptations with peace and perseverance. Our sins don't just affect ourselves. So steps eight and nine of the 12 call us to recognize the impact that sinful decisions have on other people. Again, if I'm in a community of uh, objectification, where the only thing your worth is to me is what I can get out of you, none of this matters. But in the Christian community, when we live it and live it well— Um, we're going to see that we do have an effect over other people. So a willingness to seek the good of others and to repair the damage that our sins have caused is a powerful antidote to the inherent selfishness of lust and sexual sins. Sometimes this charity is manifested in healing conversations and renewed relationships with family members and friends. In other cases, it takes more indirect forms like prayers for deceased loved ones or intercessions for others who are trapped by the culture of lust and promiscuity rampant in today's secular society, which those cultures are not going to see. They're not going to see themselves as trapped in lust and promiscuity, as in objectification and using others for personal gain. That's not how they understand themselves, but it's how they are. It's the truth of who they are. Step 10 helps us to battle for holiness. Step 11, constant prayer and meditation on the will of God. And historically, the 12 steps written to assist those struggling with a physical and emotional addiction to alcohol— Courage draws inspiration from this. It doesn't mean that we view same-sex attractions as a disease or addiction. That's important to state. Though some of our, our souls, our members do deal with issues of sexual brokenness, such as compulsive attachments to pornography or promiscuous behavior. We really see them as spiritual aids above all. I want to close with a prayer to the Holy Family today as we close this session and prepare for our next 
This is a prayer to the Holy Family that you can find on the Courage and Courage website as part of a novena. O Holy Family of Nazareth, God so loved us that he sent his only Son into our world through a human family, your family. I ask you to pray today for my family. Help each member grow in the faith and love that you so beautifully exemplified. Holy St. Joseph, pray to our Heavenly Father that each member of my beloved family will follow your holy example of complete faith and obedience to God's will, especially in instances where God's commandments seem outdated or absurd by current custom and when it is unclear where holy obedience will lead. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Mother Most Pure, Mother Most Sorrowful, Queen of Families, Most Blessed Among Women, Wrap your protective mantle around each of my children, for they live amongst many powers of evil. Help me as their earthly parent to always direct them to your Son, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and who is the Prince of Peace. And Jesus, my Savior, Son of Man and Son of Mary, look graciously down upon my family from your throne in heaven. Draw me, my spouse, and my children ever closer to you because it is you who are the truest lover of each of our souls. Grant we all join you together someday in paradise, where we will look radiantly upon your holy face in the fullness of salvation. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, watch over us. Amen. Brother, if you walk with me, 